that you, John? Hello, Dutch. <laughs> I think that's what they call two for the price of one out here in this wonderful place. Maybe so, Dutch. You and, and, and your friend there, the professor? We're going to kill the both of you. Why you want to do a thing like that? I don't know. Sport, I guess. Thank you for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes and all the other good places you can get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube, on the YouTube page, The Subtext. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games in the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Lawrence and I'm joined by... My name's Dan. Welcome to the podcast. So, how are you doing this week? You alright? Yeah, I'm alright. Um, as you know, I've been playing the abomination that is 007 Legends. You have. Um, so I'm deciding whether or not to write a written review of it. About I think how I've it's decided your favourite game. It's so bad. It's so, <laughs> so, so, so bad. Um, it will be the most negative review that I've written. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I'm probably going to do that because I never, ever want to play it again. But I do want to have a review of all the Bond games on my channel. So that will be an absolute treat to do. That's a bad <laughs> one. How are you doing? Um, yeah, I'm good. I've mostly been, you know, playing games that we've got that are up and coming, I suppose. Um, but other than that, just life had many things, really. Nothing too exciting. Still on lockdown. It's very fun. Washing my hands. Because uh, you know, gotta wash your hands about twenty times a day at the moment. It's very important, but yeah, nothing to complain about. So it's all good. Um, good stuff. So this week we are looking at Red Dead Redemption, which came out in two thousand and ten for the PS three and the Xbox three hundred and sixty. It sits at number thirty six on our list. So it's um, you know about a quarter of the way round, bit above that. And at the time it came out, it got a Metacritic aggregate score of eight point nine. So we're um, we're is that that are you sure that's not the user score? That might be the user score. Yes, because that seems far too low for something at thirty six. See, this is why I'm not very good at the uh, the, the other bits and bobs because I just get it wrong. I was I was doing my good voice and everything. Let me have another quick look. Your uh, your user. radio voice. Ah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, I see. Right, let me get to page one on their uh, on their list. Where Is it 96? I'm going to guess. You know what would be really nice? If I was actually professional and knew what I was doing. That would be good, wouldn't it? Ah, <laughs> uh, now the page isn't loading. Oh, yeah, I'm going to guess it's 96. Right, so there it is. 95. So it got an oh. aggregate score of 95 and the user rating was 8.9. Um, so yeah, pretty high in terms of the um, the aggregate score on the list. We have both played its completion. Um, I think we finished it last week, didn't we? Last week. Yeah, I finished it within the last week. Mm. Um, we both played it in the past as well. Yes. So it's another one we've got history with. And for me, unlike The Last of Us, where my opinion shifted slightly, um, for this game it didn't really shift. I think it was a good game then. I think it's a good game now. 
I don't think it's an amazing game now or then. No, you've 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 got quite a lot of um you've got quite a lot to say with this one that you've already that we've already been speaking about. Um, yeah. Which which we'll get to because I mean, like you say, we've both got backgrounds with this game, we've both played it before, and it is considered one of um Rockstar's best games that they've released. However, going back to it, there are flaws in it that maybe we didn't see the first time round or maybe we didn't notice as much. So we will touch on those. Uh, but first, I kind of want to get an idea of what your background with this game and this series is, because uh, it's probably Rockstar's second most well-known IP um, after yeah. Grand Theft Auto. So what's your history, I suppose, with Red Dead Redemption? Um, so during the PS2 era, obviously, we got uh, Red Dead Revolver. Yes. and Originally this Capcom, was the- wasn't it? Yeah, it was originally Capcom. It was under a different name. I yeah, can't remember what the name was. No, Gunslinger or something? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Um, yeah, and basically it was being developed. It was supposed to be a um, basically a new version of a classic game. Again, I can't... Maybe Wild Arms? I don't know. I'm probably making that up. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Capcom decided that they they were going to stop working on the project and the developer, uh, I'm not sure what the developer was called before it was Rockstar San Diego. No, um, sure. But Rockstar picked it up and it was, it became Red Dead, Re- Red Dead Revolver. Now, uh, PS2 era was the era where I was basically constantly buying pre-owned games, selling them, buying them. So I think I, and what I also did was, I used to buy things, complete them, sell them, and then maybe a year later I'd buy them again <laughs> because I wanted to play them again, and then I'd complete them again and end up selling them again. Now, this is one that I think I bought and completed twice. Uh, I really enjoyed Red Dead Revolver. It's very, very, very different from Red Dead Redemption. It's an arcade shooter. Yeah. Um, very, very arcade A lot of fun. A bit more, um, a bit more light-heartedness than uh, Red Dead Redemption would turn out to be. Uh, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, very much a spaghetti western. Uh, fun game. And I was looking forward to Red Dead Redemption before release, and what I do respect about Red Dead Redemption is because they took the idea of Red Dead Revolver, very much transformed it into something different. Grand Theft but Auto gave, Yeah, and gave everyone the, the thing that everyone was talking about for a very long time, which was the open world Wild West game. Mm. Now, we'd had um, Gun before this, which kind of did did a similar thing. And I really like Gun as well, but it's a much, much smaller world. Um, Whereas Red Dead uh, Redemption has quite a big open world to explore and to mess around in. Um, I mean, I'm not going to go too much into my thoughts on Red Dead Redemption right now because we're going to discuss it as we go we'll along. And, and like I said, they've not really changed a huge deal. Um, so, what's your what's your what's your background with the game? I I don't really know to be honest. Um, I was I, I never played uh, Red Dead Re- uh, Revolver. It was something that I'd seen my stepbrother play. Uh, my stepbrother at the time a few times maybe in the uh, in the noughties. but. It wasn't anything that I ever played myself. With Red Dead Redemption, it wasn't something that I was massively looking forward to or 
possibly even aware of. I mean, in 2010, I was at college and I wasn't really playing games that much. Um, I remember playing it relatively soon after it came out. Same kind of deal as with GTA 4. I kind of knew it existed, but I wasn't that bothered by it. Um, I then obviously got the chance to play it. I really enjoyed it. And I think it was because it was probably, no, definitely the first cowboy game that I'd really played or was aware of because I wasn't as in um, in as deep as you were at the time with knowing what games were coming out, what was what, etc. I just kind of looked at big releases like, that looks good, I'll get that. And I knew that Rockstar was obviously the company that um, you know, did Grand Theft Auto, so I assumed Red Dead Redemption was would be good. Um, and I mean, coming off the back of GTA 4, I think, you know, with what Red Dead Redemption has become, my background with it is a little bit mixed because I don't know exactly when I did play it for the first time. But overall, I remember the, the first time I played it, I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed the story and gameplay. So I can't pin it exactly, but I know that when I did get around to playing it, it was good, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's our background on the games, I guess. So let's move on to what the game encompasses and the story. Because like you just said, with Red Dead Revolver, it was very arcadey, quite tongue-in-cheek. And there are moments of that in Red Dead Redemption. But you get the impression that with this era of Rockstar they were trying to do something a bit more gritty, the same as what they did with Grand Theft Auto 4. With GTA 3, Vice City and San Andreas, it was very much, um, you know, making a point of society that we live in and being very self-referential, making jokes. But GTA 4, although it did that, it took on a lot more of a serious tone I think and I feel that you can see that flow through to Red Dead Redemption not quite as much but the themes of this game are particularly serious and there are dark undertones there I think yeah uh, so with Red Dead Revolver the the tone was still quite different from Red Dead Redemption because even in its um, silliness let's say it wasn't the same kind of silliness as Red Dead Redemption, which mm. kind of borrowed a lot from the GTA series yeah. in terms of its silliness. Um, you're right that GTA 4 tried to balance seriousness with humour, and it didn't really succeed too well. I mean, I think it got the seriousness right, but those moments of humour were always jarring in that very serious world that they were presenting. Um, now, Red Dead Redemption... I think it balances it quite a bit better than Rocks uh, than GTA 4 because it's maybe not as serious as GTA 4 takes it. Yeah. So it pulls it back a bit and there are less moments of ridiculous humor but they're still there and they for me they can still be jarring and a bit annoying especially noticed it in Mexico uh with some of the plot points there really wasn't a fan of those. Yeah. Well Let's let's touch on what the story is a little bit. So the game takes place initially in 1911. It's really 
making a point that this is the end of the Wild West. The, the Wild West is being tamed, or has been tamed, I suppose. And you play as a character called John Marston. Now, John is a guy who used to run with a gang of outlaws a few years ago. Since then, obviously, the law has become a much, a much bigger prevalent force in the um, in the world of Red Dead Redemption and gangs of outlaws aren't really as much of a thing anymore things are calming down and John's moved on with his life he's got a wife he's got a son uh, and he you know he owns a ranch and he's just trying to do the right thing and move on and be a good person however some agents from um, a, a law agency it's never really said which one it is um, Agent Ross and Agent Fordham, I believe, um, approach John and say, look, we're taking your family away. What we want you to do is there are three members of your old gang that are still at large, Bill Williamson, Javier Escuela and uh, Dutch Vanderlyn. Dutch. And we want you to hunt them down. We want you to find them. And when you've done that, when they've been arrested or when they've been killed, you can have your family back and you can go back to, you know, life as it was before. And that's pretty much the main crux of the plot. You're, you're hunting down these three um, ex-brothers, really, who are still wanted by the, um, by the, by the law. And the story is basically chasing them down through New Austin, which is basically the, um, the Wild West in America. And also there's a section where you're chasing uh, two of them through Mexico where there's a revolution brewing. Um, so that's basically the crux of the story. What, what Do you want to add anything with that? Just that um, as with other Rockstar games, you've got the three areas. They kind of settled on this three-area formula in GTA 3. Yeah. Um, you've got the three islands in GTA 3. Vice City, I think there's only the two islands, isn't there? Uh, yeah, there's there's two two big islands, and then there's a bit in the middle where your mansion is in Vice City. Yeah, uh, and obviously San Andreas, you've got um, San Fierro, Las Venturas, and Los Santos. Los Santos. So you've got the three the three cities there, the three big cities, and it was kind of just a, an extension of this formula. You had New Austin, you had Mexico, and you had Blackwater. Mm. Uh, and in each area, so in the first area, you kind of, although it doesn't work out like this, you're hunting for Bill in the first area. Fort you're Mercer. hunting kind of for Javier Escuela in Mexico, and you're hunting for Dutch in Blackwater. Um, Blackwater. Uh, you also do run into Bill in Mexico, but that's because of plot twists. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's structured in that way, so basically you've kind of got a target for each area and what the game does is it kind of goes around the houses to how you get to that target uh, to varying levels of success but yeah that's that's basically the plot um now i suppose we should mention the ending which yeah is obviously going to stick in people's minds massive spoiler so, warning if you've not played the game yeah big spoiler warning here so what happens is uh, your character john marston captures or kills or captures and kills all of the all of the targets and it seems like the government's letting him go they they call it the government 
um, this this government agency. It seems like they're letting him go, and he is allowed to go back to his ranch with his wife and his son. And you get a fair few missions there, just kind of building this life that he's got on the ranch. And then all of a sudden, as you kind of expect it, because you know that things aren't going to end in this happy way for him, the government all come at the ranch and they all attack and they kill Uncle, which is uh, a character that An old member lives of the on gang. the ranch. Yeah, a, mem- a member of the gang and kind of like a, an, an extension of John's family. Mm-hmm. And they kill John uh, in the barn and... Obviously, that's quite a big ending where the main character is killed. It was a surprise. And then, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a very big surprise at the time. It was one of those things that you kind of expected something would happen, but you didn't really want to see it happen. Yeah. Um, and then you can carry on playing the game. You can play it further along with John's son, Jack. About four years which, later. Um, yeah, which I know from people that played the game at the same time as me or people that I've spoken to about the game. They weren't a fan of this. No one liked Jack. No. So it was just um, a bit of a controversial thing. You can also uh, get revenge with Jack on the person within the government um, who, yeah, who who was responsible for John Marston's downfall. But it's really, really anticlimactic, so it may not even be worth doing. <laughs> yeah, it, it is very anticlimactic. And I think the thing that I want to touch on with the story is, like we just said, the ending came as quite a surprise at the time. No one, it's it's hard to explain because it isn't very often that games will just straight up kill the playable character. It, it happens, but it isn't very common. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I mean, even though going back this time to us playing this game, we know that John Marston isn't as great of a protagonist as we remembered. He's still a really good character and as well as that mostly i find john marston to be very likable he's a very likable protagonist and you really kind of not grow a bond with him as you're playing but you get an insight into who he is and how much he he does want to leave his past life behind how much he just wants everything to be easy how much he just wants to settle down with his wife and his son and just leave that life behind and just do an honest job which is ranching and then you know it's a massive betrayal when you you've done your job for for the government and then all of a sudden they just all turn up you kill quite a lot of them in order to survive and then the final standoff and it's not like they just shoot him once um, and he he goes down you know he, he faces them outside his barn and he opens the door and he just gets absolutely mashed. <laughs> like you, yeah. you see his body at the end, and he's just been hit by so many bullets. Like it's overkill, really. This is like Sonny Corleone on the bridge, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's exactly the same as that. And you're just like, oh, all oh, right, okay then. But it, it goes with the title that obviously with Red Dead Redemption One and with Two that and it's it's obvious but to point out that redemption doesn't exist redemption is red dead in this world and there is no moving on from the choices that you've previously made um 
And, you know, I think as well, it's sad at the end of the game when Jack kind of takes on the mantle of his his father's life because, like Dan said, it is entirely optional what you do with Jack. You can just roam the, the world and finish up side quests that you didn't finish as John. But the, the main idea of playing as, uh, as Jack is to hunt down Edgar Ross and shoot him in a duel. And as soon as you beat Ross and he's dead, then that's when the um, the, the credits roll and yeah. you know the game's over. But like we said, that's optional. That isn't like um, an obvious trace on the map. That There isn't like a mission that you go to to do that. It's just you come across a guy in Blackwater and you then have the option to go and hunt Ross via a few people, find him in Mexico, duel him, shoot him, end of the game. Yeah. And I think you're right when you say the redemp- the redemption isn't possible in the Wild West mm. because the whole nature of the Wild West is such a free for all rugged place yeah. that how can you how can you get that redemption there? But perhaps the redemption that they're talking about is I suppose the redemption for Jack who inherits his father's mantle and gets that redemption in the end, but then it could be cyclical and it could keep going. Um, mm. Jack could get killed by someone in Ross's family. His brother's still alive, so oh, no, I shot his it brother. could keep going. Oh, did you? <laughs> I, sh- I, sh- wow. I shot Ross's brother and I shot Ross's wife because I'm like, oh, no, All right. this is a trash family. No, thank you. They killed John. I'm not into that. <laughs> so I'm going to make um, a bold assertion about my own experience with the game. Yeah. I think a lot of the reason that this game is remembered so fondly is that final section in Blackwater, which I think is the best section in the game. Um, when I was playing it, maybe I didn't think it, but in hindsight, I definitely think it was the best section in the game. And it's it's always the way that a game leaves you. That's the thing that you remember most. It's not how the game started. And I, I think I know we've both got issues with some of the stuff that happens early on. Um, Bonnie McFarlane's ranch, uh, running around for Wes Dickens and Seth and Irish, and uh, Mexico we enjoyed a bit more, I think. Mm. But um, it's, it's, it is a flawed game. So let's go into some of the flaws of this game. Yeah, so the the main thing that me and Dan discussed quite a lot when we were playing through this is the entire first section of the game, so the, the Wild West. So mainly places like Armadillo, Thieves Landing, the McFarlane Ranch, Fort Mercer... The section where you're just hunting down Bill, Bill Williamson, it feels like a really long tutorial. And when you finish this section, you then go off to Mexico. Um, but the, the whole first section of the game is very handholdy. And that's fine for some games, but with a game that's Rockstar, it wasn't really like that with GTA 4. You know, it's. They, they say, here are the mechanics, here's like three missions, go and do your thing. And it's one of the things that I, I think with Red Dead Redemption, both one and number two, is that the protagonists are mostly boiled down to being good people. So they want you to do the right thing. With John Marston, you get the impression that he's a good person, that he's a changed man. But because you're controlling him as the player you can still go off and shoot up saloons and shoot entire you know towns and that's something that you can do 
but it doesn't really fit in with the narrative, which Rockstar addressed with GTA 5 with making Trevor a playable character because he's a psycho and doesn't really hold any moral values. But it's one of the big issues that I find with Rockstar games. If you want to play it as someone that isn't going to just go around mowing down civilians and, you know, throwing women on train tracks, it's it isn't it doesn't mesh with the character growth through the story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't even think GTA Five solved it because oh, you no. can still play as Michael. You can still play as Franklin. Um, Franklin, yeah, you can still play as Michael and Franklin. You can still do those things. They're supposed to be the more uh, down to earth moral characters, yeah. but you can still do those things with those characters. So it doesn't solve it. Um, and it the, the to give a bit of background. We were talking about there's there's an achievement when this came out in the game. So obviously achievements and trophies are things that you can get on uh, the Xbox and the PlayStation that kind of mark the fact that you've done a certain thing. Now there's an achievement in the Xbox version. It's probably a trophy in the PS3 yeah, version where you can basically you're given an award it's called Dastardly. For, yeah, called Dastardly for. Uh, Tying, tying, a, uh, or pushing someone, a woman onto the tracks and having a, a train run them over. So you, yeah, you hog tie um, a woman to the tracks and the train runs them over, and you get uh, a reward for this, which is completely at odds with the narrative, with the person uh, John Marston that's being presented in the narrative. So they definitely haven't managed to marry up those two elements. You've got the gameplay and you've got the narrative, and. Um, I mean, you talked about the, the the training section, which is basically New Austin. Now, the problem with that is it's the largest section on the map, number one. Yeah. It's also probably the longest section in the game to play. Yet it's this hand-holdy tutorial section where everything you do feels inconsequential and you feel like the game is guiding you. Whereas you're presented this big open environment... And all you want to do is just run around and find out for yourself. It's kind of at odds with the way the map is laid out as well. So I found that frustrating, um, personally. Um, now, speaking of the map, it is a great map. And it looks fantastic. It's big. Now, if you're playing this on... Sorry? It's a big map as well. It is big. Uh, it's. I think it's big initially. I think... New Austin remains big, but I think Mexico gets smaller because, you, like I said to you when I was playing it, you end up going backwards and forwards from one end to the other so many times that you feel like you've explored the whole of yeah. the Mexican setting. Um, and the Mexican setting kind of just all follows one long road and you're just at different points on the map. You're between Chuparosa uh, and Escalera, I think it's called. Exactly. And those are the two main and areas. You just, and you're just always somewhere along that road doing a mission. You don't feel like you ever really go off that road. And I I kind of wondered when I was playing this, what came first, the map or the story missions? Uh, I came to the conclusion that they built the map first and then they populated it with story missions. Now, the, the reason I came to this is because there's a section in Tumbleweed, which is uh, a dilapidated town, which is a really good concept. And you have one mission there. Yeah, it's supposed to be haunted. There's this big manor on the hill 
and Tumbleweed is just a dilapidated town that spreads out from it. And the first mission there is really cool. But then you go back there a couple of missions later to actually explore the house. And I thought in my head, the developers were probably saying, oh, we've got this setting here, we've got this city. Oh, we can do another mission there. And maybe we'll go back and do another mission here. It's like, how do we get efficient use out of this map that we've built? That's what it feels like um, with, with the missions. Um, I also, one of the drawbacks for me is the lack of decent interiors in the game you don't really get many yeah. interior levels that are really fully fleshed out and fun to play now the gta games for a while have given you those extended interior sections that you can play through that actually function more as missions in a linear sense whereas red dead doesn't have those um you've got literally a handful of areas where you've got one small setting which is an interior which you work your way through, and that's it really. And I just, I just, I just found that to be a shame. Um, I would have liked to have seen more interiors in in this map. Yeah. But the map itself is good. It looks great, especially in uh, 4K on the Xbox One X. It looks fantastic. Um, yeah, we've not covered what we played on. You were on the Xbox One X, weren't you? As a yes. back, uh, backwards compatible version for 360. I played it on the PS3, which was quite janky. Um, I'm not sure if it's just that my PS3 is old or that the game just doesn't hold up as well, but there were quite a few glitches and things like that that I came across that weren't ideal. But I, I feel that yeah. you probably had the um, the superior play experience just because you had the you were playing it on a better console. Well, I mean, I, I ran into a, a few glitches as well. Um, and... We we well, I tried to play the Undead Nightmare expansion afterwards, and ran into the ultimate glitch, which I was just dumbfounded by. So basically, um, apparently there was a patch for Undead Nightmare, which is the expansion to Red Dead Redemption, which introduces zombies. And it's a good DLC. Yeah, it's a good DLC when you can play it. And in this patch, it introduced a glitch where if you're playing the game after this patch has been installed. Uh, zombies, they st- for some reason, their arms and their heads, all their limbs and uh, body parts stop uh, generating and you can't kill them. Well, you can kill them, but they just keep respawning. So there are sections that you can't physically complete in the Und- Undead Nightmare expansion on the Xbox One if you're playing it there. So this was never patched. For a, a developer the size of Rockstar... I think it's just shocking that they've got... They released a special version of Undead Nightmare to be played on the Xbox One, but you can't complete the game on it. Yeah, it's poor I just find that shocking. Yeah, so I was really disappointed with that. Kind of tainted my view. My my, my biggest issue... Cause it's, I think that we're saying what we didn't enjoy about the game this time round. And it's very important to say that we both overall... I think we both enjoyed it, didn't we? It's yeah, we had fun with it. Experience. My biggest problem with the game, I think, is because I'm now jaded from playing Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, I've spoken about number two a few times on this game, and I'd, I'd put it up there with some of my favourite games I've played because it, it goes so much deeper um, than the original Red Dead Redemption, and you see a different side to John Marston in Red Dead Redemption 2, which we'll come on to at some point. But going from seeing what 
John Marston was to what he becomes in Red Dead 2 because Red Dead 2 is a prequel and then seeing how he is in Red Dead Redemption 1 with that prior context of you know who he was a few years ago when he was in the gang with the outlaws is quite jarring because John Marston in Red Dead 2 is you know he he's not a leader he's just kind of there he's got his opinions and he'll always stick up for himself but he isn't he isn't a hothead he isn't someone that's going to kick off about things all the time and in Red Dead 2 uh, Red Dead 1 the smallest slight or someone says something to him that annoys him he's just like well how about i put a bullet in your head and it's just like john calm down <laughs> what happened you know he just goes off and threatens to to put holes in people's heads when they annoy him and like they're his allies and it's like john just, yeah. just calm down mate it's all right it's fine don't worry you'll be dead soon it's it's, it's okay that, i that mean was my it's main not gripe. just that as well I mean, I, I I agree with you, but it's not just that. It's almost the world that is presented in Red Dead 2. It's hard to believe that the world in Red Dead 1 followed that. Yeah. Because all these relationships that you get to see in Red Dead 2, um, when you when you see them in Red Dead Redemption, they don't really calculate. It's like um, Javier Escuela. Yeah. We were saying that he's a very likable character in Red Dead 2. Whereas in Red Dead One, he's just he just comes across as a weasel. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's it's uh it's just really jarring, and for me, it doesn't quite compute that the John from Red Dead Two ends up the way that yeah John in Red Dead Redemption One is, and he is likable in Red Dead Redemption One, and he's very polite and he is commanding, and he's also wildly inconsistent in his portrayal up until Blackwater, um, which was my issue with him. Now, we both did enjoy the Mexican section more. Now, why why do you think you enjoyed the Mexican section more than the first section? It was less hand-holdy. Um, I think with Mexico as well, it was very much the case of... Because I know that you've got a lot of issues with Mexico um, that we've touched on. I don't know how much you want to go into them on here. But with Mexico, it felt a lot more black and white. The first person you really meet is Landon Ricketts, who's a legendary gunslinger who kind of teaches you a few things. And he's on nobody's side in Mexico because there's um, there's a struggle for power going on between the current government and the rebels. And kind of the first half of Mexico, you're helping the government because John doesn't have a stake in this war at all. He's only there because Bill Williamson has escaped to Mexico to get to Javier Escuela so they can hang out together and evade being captured. So John doesn't have a horse in this race. He's just there because the government says, yeah, we'll help you find Javier Escuela. And then he gets uh, betrayed by the government and they try to kill him. Obviously he survives and then he goes and helps the rebels. And they're like, yeah, sure, we'll help you get Javier Escuela. And I think... Especially when you're working with the government, the the guys that you're working with, obviously you've got the um, the dictator guy who you don't really see too much, and then his like his little lapdog who you're reporting to. They're cartoonishly bad guys, aren't they? They're so cartoony, all of them. It's even even the the rebels are cartoony. Yeah, 
And it, it's weird because it was my favourite section of the game, but at the same time, it's the most outlandish. You've got a, a Mexican dictator who is saying, yeah, bring me more women. We're, we're going to, you know, these women, they don't have a choice in being with me, but hey, I can do what I want. And then you've got the rebels who are equally as... Just as bad. Dastardly. Um, but yeah, it, Mexico's a weird place. It's very... It's very black or white, but at the same time, there are a lot of shades of grey in Mexico with who you're working with and the things that you're doing. And if you want to talk about it, I think that's a good segue to your main issue with Mexico. Well, I mean, I just think it, it comes back down to John's character. He never questions anything that happens. He never questions what he's doing. He never applies any thought to his actions. He just does things. And I, I I like those moments in the Tomb Raider reboot where Lara is doing all these awful things and there's a lot of uh, inconsistencies with the way that she's presented. Yeah. But she has these moments where she sits by the campfire, where she kind of uh, evaluates what's going on. She kind of uh, thinks it through and you get to see her thoughts. We never get that internal narrative with John Marston. It's just, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And it all feeds back into this single-minded thing of saving my family, which is fair enough, but it would be it would be nice to know what makes him a moral person, why why he, he is presented as, as this moral person, yet he's happy to wipe out these Mexican rebels in, ma- in, in huge masses. Um, it's just a bit... Uh, it's, it's a bit strange to play. Now, I don't think it's a very flattering... Um, portrayal of Mexico the fact that you've got this awful government and you've got these awful rebels and neither of them are very nice you've got one nice character called Luisa and she's um basically just cannon fodder and she's uh, helplessly in love with the rebel leader who can't even remember her name which is just I don't know. I just don't know what what um, Rockstar were going for with this. Yeah, and it and it feels it feels really, um, it feels really jarring in terms of if you, if you think about the themes there too much. Now, what I did like about Mexico, even though I said that the setting is small and it is small, it does feel small. I like the theme of the setting, like the Mexican little towns, and you when you poncho? ride over to Mexico. Um, I I, well, I, I I had the poncho the first time I played it. I didn't get it this time. Really love the poncho. Um, <laughs> it's just riding into Mexico. You get uh, you get this song playing. You're riding in on your horse. I was riding in on a storm, and I actually captured that footage. Very so if you're watching the video version, yeah. So you're gonna see it in the video version at some point. I ri- I rode in on a storm, and I didn't go to Landon Ricketts first. I rode all the way to the other end because I wanted this kind of moments carry on. And it is very atmospheric. And then you arrive in this little Mexican town and you get to see all the, the all the townspeople. Um, I mean, it's probably a bit of a stereotype of what Mexico is, yeah, but definitely. it is a, it's a really, it's a theme that we don't get to see much in gaming. And it definitely kind of uh, was a nice alternative to the stereotype of the old West that we get in, yeah. uh, in new Austin. So that's why I like it, but also why I dislike it. Um, but I prefer Blackwater overall. Well, 
speaking of Blackwater, there's something that we haven't touched on too much yet. We'll get to the gameplay in a moment, but we've spoken at length about uh, John um, because obviously he's the main character. But someone that we've not really mentioned yet who is also quite a fleshed out character is Dutch. And yeah. I know that you've got a few thoughts on Dutch. So a bit of background on Dutch. Dutch Vandalin is the old leader of the outlaws that John used to used to roll with. And he is really the last person that you have to capture at the end of the game. He's like the, I suppose you'd call him the main bad guy in the, in the story up until you realise you're being betrayed and, you know, the, the army come after you. But Dutch is kind of the bad guy that you have to get. And he's he's a super interesting character and he's probably the person after John, who's got the most layers in the game, even though you don't see too much of Dutch. And you drew a comparison to Dutch with um, Colonel Kurtz, didn't you, from Apocalypse Now? Yeah. Uh, I think I definitely got vibes of Apocalypse Now and Colonel Watery Kurtz. Um, it's this... It, I mean, you described him as the main bad guy, but I wouldn't even say is that he's just a target. He's a target who doesn't really seem to have specific morality and he's not presented as this big evil person. Yes, he does not very nice things. He's also presented as being insane. But yeah, I got some I got some Apocalypse Now vibes from him, um, which is maybe this person that used to to live the life that John lives, but kind of changed and went quote-unquote insane and um, when you meet him he's very well spoken he speaks in poetry I mean his final lines before his death not at the hands of John Marston um, are really quite powerful uh, I just got some vibes there I mean it's, it's not a straight comparison by any means but it was uh, it was something that reminded me of Apocalypse Now and I think Apocalypse Now is so so good obviously based on the book heart of darkness um but yeah so anything that reminds me of that I'm, I'm all in for but yeah that was a really interesting comparison dutch has got some like you say his last lines is very poetic and i've got the um i've got the dialogue in front of me and basically the way that it ends up is you chase dutch through um through a mountain you get to the top and dutch has got nowhere left to run he's injured and between him and his escape is John standing and behind him is the drop off a cliff and Dutch basically says you know I've got a plan and John's oh you've always got a plan and Dutch says we can't always fight nature John we can't fight change we can't fight gravity we can't fight nothing my whole life all I ever did was fight but I can't give up neither I can't fight my own nature and that's a paradox John and it's the line where he says when I'm gone, they'll just find another monster. They have to because they have to justify their wages, and it's very, um, it's very, it's it's, it's telling Telly. the future, isn't it? Because yeah. Dutch is gone, so the new monster is John, and they hunt him down because they have to justify their wages. That's why they're being paid. Um, yeah, Dutch is a really interesting character, and when we do come to talking about Red Dead Redemption Two, I imagine we'll probably have a lot more to say about Dutch because he's a very pivotal character in the story of red dead 2 um yeah and john is like i said he's he's single-minded he never seems to question what goes on around him at all really and you've got dutch who does question it yeah 
And everyone seems to see that the government might come after John after this is all done, except for John. His wife points it out to him that, do you think the government's going to come after you? And he basically says, oh, everything's going to be all right now. But we know as the player, that's not going to be the case. I just think John comes a- comes across as just being just ignorant. It's very naive. <laughs> So much of the time. Very naive and for someone who used to run with a gang and rob and kill loads of people. Um, yeah. And used to be on the run. And someone that's supposed to be this relatable main character, but he's just quite shallow and ignorant. Mm. I think I think that's the main flaw that I found with Red Dead Redemption, going back to it, is just John's character. I still like him very much in Red Dead 1, but he's not as amazing as I remember him being when I played it years ago. I found my old save file... When I um when I turned it on for the first time, and the last time I played Red Dead Redemption was in 2014. So at the time of recording, that's six years ago. And I think my impression of John Marston back six years ago is very different to my opinion on him now. Yeah, and and I and I said to you, and I do think this as well. The introduction of his wife and his son at the end does the world of good to his character. It really makes him relatable. Uh, what we haven't had for the entire game is we, we've heard mention of this family, but we've seen him as this lone soldier. Um, but at the end, we actually get to see him react and relate to his family. And that does the world of good to his character mm. because it gives us something to relate to. This family man who's just clinging on to this family. And that is the strongest chord that the game strikes. And it's like I said... It's this lasting impression. What we remember of John is that he is this family man and that he really loved his family and he was fighting for the good of his family, for peace and for a life without uh, this this outlaw lifestyle that he was living. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the lingering impression we get and that's a really nice final note for the story to end on. So that, I, I, I think that last section was very, very deftly handled by, not deftly, but deftly yeah. handled by uh, Rockstar. It was really well done. Yeah. So props to Rockstar for that. We've um, we've not touched on the gameplay, so let's touch on that briefly. It's, it's yeah. very similar to the same kind of gameplay style that Rockstar have been doing for years. It's... GTA on horses. Yeah, basically. It's the same engine that GTA 4 was made in, I think. Um, yeah definitely you know it's very much it's a third person shooter Uh, you go from A to B to get missions there are a few elements that have been added into this game which aren't in Grand Theft Auto obviously such as horses over cars Um, you've got the dead eye function which acts as a motion to slow down time so that you can aim at numerous targets at once and then get the payoff of shooting loads of things within two seconds Um, And the other thing that they added, which I was absolutely atrocious at and have always been atrocious at in these games, is the dueling. Um, Obviously, it's very like if you've watched Clint Eastwood films or Spaghetti Westerns or John Wayne films, you know that a big element of the Wild West was people having gun duels, uh, quick draw. And that's an element in Red Dead Redemption. And I've never been able to get it right. And I suck at it. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, the gameplay is very much unchanged from GTA 4. Would you agree? Yeah, it's it's you're given a map, you're given letters on the map. The letters represent the missions that you've got to do for the people. It, usually, each person has three missions they want you to do. 
and then you move on to another person's three missions, so on, so on, so on, till the end of the game. Um, I think Red Dead was a lot more gun-focused than GTA, because GTA, by that point, you could do all these other things. You could, Cars, you could go bowling, you could play darts. Yeah, it was, a, it was a lot more varied, and because of that, the gunplay was de-emphasised. Whereas in Red Dead, you've got the horses, you've got carriages that you can ride, but they're very similar to the horses. They None of them feel realistic. They've all got an arcade touch to them. Um, and there's a big emphasis on gunplay. So usually in your missions, this is how a mission will break down. You go to the mission marker, you get a cutscene, you're told to go somewhere, you ride to that place on your horse, you do some gunfighting, and then you either ride back to the mission giver or the mission ends there. And that's basically how the majority of missions in Red Dead are structured. Um, there are there are other things that you can do. You can play poker. Um, you can, like you say, you can do those things that you'd expect Five to do in a spaghetti fillet. western inspired game. Um, you can do things like blackjack and. Uh, can you do dominoes in it? I can't remember. Um, you definitely can in Red Dead Two. I'm not sure about the first. Yeah, one. definitely. Uh, but you've got five finger you can... five finger fillet as well, where you knock the knife in between your fingers, getting faster. Yeah. Um, arm wrestling, I think, is one of them. Horse racing. Yeah, arm wrestling. Yeah. Um, so th- there's a lot of variation in there. Um, there's a bit of variation, not compared to GTA, no. but but f- that they made effort to. When you're not doing your missions, there are things for you to do. But I think they could have actually made more missions around those those side things that you can yes. do because it would have given it a bit more variety. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and um, the it does feel like the horses and the carriages they feel like um, a substitute's driving. It still very much feels like GTA on horses at this point, whereas Red Dead Redemption Two doesn't feel like that anymore. And, and it's also got to do with the tone, that kind of them struggling to balance humour and seriousness. Now, the other thing that uh, <laughs> was was maddening to me, because I'd completely forgotten about this, was the fact that you can't swim in this game. Yeah. Now, you've been able to swim in GTA games since San Andreas, which was released in 2004. Yeah, 2004. And, yeah, so that was released in 2004. This is 2010. But for some reason, they've taken out the swimming, even though it was in GTA 4 as well. And you you go into the water and you just die. I, I bet there's a reason for that. I, I've not looked into it, but I reckon there's probably a reason for it. I'll be interested to see what that is. I'll look it up after we finish this because it can't yeah, just be the fact like maybe nah, it's just swim, or just the fact that people in the old west weren't taught to swim. <laughs> well, I think you introduce swimming in the old west. You've got to introduce maybe horse swimming as well. Well, which is what you've got in Red, Red Dead Redemption Two. So maybe it's a bit more of a, a complex thing. Yeah, I think it might Then be. if you introduce swimming, you've got to introduce uh, mechanisms to stop you swimming out too far. Mm. Um, because obviously you swim out too far from the map. It's either going to be nothing there or they're not going to want you to get to the land beyond because they've not they've not animated there. it properly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So every, every game has these invisible barriers to prevent the player from breaking the boundaries of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I found that very, very, very strange. Indeed. Okay, so we've not talked about the music. Yeah. What do you think of the music? It's it's more so with Red Dead that the music is there as kind of... It's like a background thing, isn't it? The music's never really a prominent thing, except for the section where you are riding through Mexico. There's a actual licensed song 
uh, with lyrics. I, I can't remember the name of the song. It's two, isn't there? There's that one where you when you when you're riding into Mexico, and there's also the one where you're riding back to your family in Blackwater. Yeah, there's that one as well, and then as well as that at the end of the game when John dies. There's credits one. Um, when John dies and Jack's standing over his grave. Um, oh, that's song, it. Yeah. Bury me not on the Lone Prairie, which is a great song. Um, but all of the the music that's included in the game, kind of the original soundtrack, I suppose, it's it's very very reminiscent of the the nineteen sixties spaghetti westerns. A lot of um, guitar, a lot of you know um, basic drums. It, it, it's nothing too big, and I think that suits the world that Red Dead Redemption is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think. Um... The world's atmosphere, which a lot of times it does right, is really enhanced by these sound cues. I wouldn't necessarily call it music, yeah. but in New Austin, you've got um, you can hear the harmonica in the background or the the the, the strings of a guitar. Um, you go to Mexico and you've got uh, I don't know, don't even know what it's called, mariachi. I don't know. Mm. You've got that kind of um, you've got that style of different background noise cues yeah. as you're playing and it really just uh when you see this humble weed go across and you see you, you hear these sound cues it feels very much like a western game and rather than having a full-blown soundtrack you've got these small cues and it really heightens the loneliness of the west roaming between these places and that is something that red dead redemption one absolutely nails maybe even more so to me than red dead redemption two this loneliness that you get, this, these empty, barren wasteland environments, which are deliberately so. And it's really nicely done because of that. Um, so, yeah, I think that the the soundtrack design was great. Yeah, it it's, it's not a standout of, as other games that we've played on this list, I don't think. But it's certainly something that can be commended for what it is. It's subtle, yeah, but, subtle. but really, really good. Yeah, subtle is the word I'd use. Um, so, I suppose, to, to wrap up then... Um, at the end of this playthrough, obviously we've both played it before. We've now played it again for this for this podcast. So, what are your thoughts, kind of moving out of Red Dead Redemption? Um, I would rate this somewhere lower than GTA Four because it, although it is to Red Dead Red, uh, Red Dead Revolver, it was a completely new take on it. It still very much was in the same vein as GTA 4, but it didn't have all those advances that GTA 4 had mm. because it was a new engine. They were building in physics. Um, there was this living, breathing world. There is that in Red Dead Redemption, but it's kind of an evolution of, of GTA 4. And because it still very much is GTA on horses in terms of structure, it's not like they added loads of things to the formula. In fact, they probably subtracted more than they added. Um I, I think it's a like I say it's a good game it's a game if I, I I don't like usually giving ratings because I think they're they're a bit meaningless but in my head if I were to rate it um I give it an eight out of ten that's that's what how I think it stands yeah it's good but not great yeah I mean even though we've massively spoiled the entire plot in this podcast anyone that is interested yeah. in playing this game that hasn't before that wants a solid story with you know, a few twists and turns and good characters, I'd recommend playing this game. And I saw a friend yesterday and I said that we were we were talking about Red Dead Redemption and that we replayed it. And he was like, oh, okay. But I said, it's a bit flawed. And he was like, oh, I won't bother playing it then. 
it's one of those games that I think has been coated quite a lot in nostalgia and quite a lot by what people remember of this game. And it isn't as good as perhaps you remember it being, but it is still a great game. I really enjoyed it. And as I've said, Red Dead Redemption 2 is up there for me in my favourite games. Um, so, I mean, uh, we, we don't usually do numbered ratings, but you give it an 8 out of 10, I'd probably say the same. It, it's solid, it's good fun. You can dip in and out of it. Um, so, yeah, overall, I've enjoyed it. I think it deserves to be in this list. Um, maybe not as high as it is, yeah. maybe not number 36, but it deserves to be in here, I think. I think um, if you're going to play it in 2020... Give it more time than we gave it because yes, there's um, a lot to do. We were playing it to completion, and I think if I was playing it to explore the world, to do all the side stuff, to unlock all the bits, I'd have had a better time with it. Um, that's what I did when I initially played it in 2010, so it wasn't like I've never played it that way. Um, but in this playthrough, we just did, I was playing it to complete it really, and I think that that kind of introduces a bit of negativity that maybe wouldn't be there so i think you can have definitely more enjoyment if you don't do that i also think this is a game that unfortunately has been hampered by games that have come out since then obviously this open world trend has taken over so a game that's 10 years old that has an open world is not going to be as outstanding as an open world in 2020 because we've made so many big strides in that uh arena so it, does it deserve to be on the all-time 100 best games? Possibly, possibly not. It wouldn't be in my personal one. That's all I can say with, with certainty. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so yeah, that covers Red Dead Redemption, I suppose. We have a tendency on this podcast of saying we're going to wrap up and then waffling for about 20 minutes after that. Um, <laughs> that's not like us. I know, right? It's not like we just talk absolute rubbish all the time. Um, so to wrap things up what we'll do is you heard at the start of the podcast other places that you can find us in terms of where you can listen to us where you can view our content if you want a visual aid in terms of where you can contact us we now have an email address which is the long and short of it podcast at hotmail.com you can get to us on twitter which is also now back up and running we are at the long short of And we've also just put together a Facebook page. So if you want to leave us messages, comment on stuff like, give us recommendations or general feedback, that would be massively appreciated. If you want to give us a like on there, that would be appreciated as well as it makes it easier for us to get the content out to more people um, and means we're more easily advertisable, which is always pleasant. As much as I hate Facebook, I've accepted that it's a... uh, it's a necessary, necessary. evil. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, please do get in touch with us if you've got any feedback or thoughts. And yeah, next game, Dan? Next time on The Long and Short of It, we will be looking at Burnout 3 Takedown. So look forward to that one. And as usual, we will see you on the next one. So enjoy lockdown for the time being. Cheerio. Bye.